Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over, uh, we, we, we review yesterday's slate, six game slate, see what, what happened, what went on, look at sharp players' lineups. And then we'll talk a little bit about today's slate, I guess, a little. Bigger slate, 14 game slate, a lot of pitching. And uh, answer your DFS strategy questions. Anything about the, the tools here at, uh, at Roto Grinders also. So if you, if you got any questions, you got anything to say, post it in the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there Doug Montgomery, Suki Singh, Jerome Lewis, Woo Woo J Train, Jupocalypse Card Fan, Brandon McNeil, Daniel Hutchins, GR Sarsana 12, Josiah Smith. You know what to do. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me those tummy thumbs. I got, I got the, I got, I'm running out of apple juice, but I still got, I still got the mots. Still got the mots apple juice. Keep it cold. Hit those thumbs ups. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. And, uh, and Josiah Smith says, looks like you had a good night last night, Blender. Not really. Not really. I mean, yeah, I, mean I, made, I made money. This is what happens when the, when the payout structures are ridiculous, right? Yeah, you just you constantly just win sets of steak knives. I've been winning a lot of steak knives this MLB season. Uh, I could I could have I could have won a lot of money. Could have that led that the, the end brutal, brutal at the end with the Reds, right? Jonathan India, you know, just looks at strike three in like the what the tenth or the eleventh. Then he starts on second base. The next inning. So it's like, okay, I could get a run scored at least from him. And then Eugenio Suarez gets up with the bases loaded and strikes out. Those are the only two guys that no one had up towards the top, right? That that was it. And Cronen, basically Cronenworth, that Cronenworth dong was the thing that cost me the most. I would have came in third if it wasn't for that. But yes, yeah, so you see here, I, I got seventh place in the super knuckle ball yesterday with 71,000 entries. Seven, seventh place out of 71,344, and you get uh, 1750. There you go. There you go. Set of steak knives, right? Right. First place, 100,000. Second place, 25,000. And obviously, there was a tie over here. There were ties. So, you know, not not the same lineup, but just, you know, same score. But like that, that's it. But I mean, I had enough 195 to 208. I mean, like, a, Suarez hits a hits a grand slam. I win, right? If he hits a if he hits a double, if India scores and then I get a double and a two RBIs, I win. There, 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 there's one, right? There's another one, right? So many chances. And Castro strikes out four times, right? Because my lineup was this. I had a five-two-one, Houston, two Cincinnati, and one Padre Tatis with Darvish and Odorizzi. Like that was that lineup up there. JBC had a 4-4 with four Padres, four Astros. And you can see here in my lineup, I got, I played, I was making, my Houston lineups were more based around the bottom of the order. Because they, they were chalky. Well, I mean, yesterday we had a weird situation with the, the game being delayed. And how much of, how much of the ownership will be dropping from the Astros and the Orioles and Odorizzi, uh, based on that, based on the, based on the radar, most likely they were going to play. I if if there was no rain, 
whatsoever. I thought the Astros were going to be way too popular. Actually, I, I, I was under on the Astros to begin with. I was under on the Reds. But, oh, excuse me. But once uh, once that rain delay happened, once the, the delayed start, I crept up my Astros exposure a little bit more. But I was trying to not make chalk lineups. So making lineups. So making lineups with, uh, you know, Altuve, Toro, like Altuve and Toro, since filling the, the infield spots are harder than filling the outfield spots. Ah, oh, see, I'm getting the sneezes for, for finishing for, for all the steak knives. Getting the sneezes. But since uh, second and third base were harder to fill, Altuve and Toro were going to be much more owned than like guys like Brantley and Alvarez and Guriel and the bottom of the order. Obviously, Straw was only 5% owned. Castro, 8% owned. They're on the road, so I don't necessarily care. They're not going to project all that badly because they're guaranteed ninth inning at bats. They ended up being up by a much that some of the other players didn't get ninth inning at bats. So I was just trying to make more lineups that if I was going to play the Astros and if I'm going to play the Reds, then I'm just going to play them. You try to play them as uniquely as possible, which I think this type of lineup does, right? You're still playing with Chalky Suarez, but you're playing India, who was kind of a little bit overpriced at 5,000 for second base. He most likely, Altuve was so uh, chalky in that price range. And then playing like the bottom of the order and then playing like Odorizzi. Well, I'm surprised it was only 8% on. I think if it wasn't for the rain, he would have been more like 15% on. But I, I, my top stacks were, were, were Houston, San Diego, and Milwaukee. I had a ton of Milwaukee. They, they bombed. So it's not so it's not like I was playing playing a ton. You know, this is this is this is a lineup that came out, you know, in seventh place, but I had tons of lineups that didn't cash, you know, with playing Milwaukee. We hear about the, you know, Larry Odo. He was playing a similar you know, Kepler, basically a five X. Kepler Machado vote. And then the Houston stack, but not with straw, but Brantley Alvarez, Altuve, 13 points at 30% owned. Right, Correa was 25% owned at shortstop. Right? So if you take a look at the the chalk Houston combination was something more like having Altuve and Toro and then two outfielders or something. And then the chalk combination of the 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 Reds were basically uh Castellanos and Suarez and Stevenson. So look, you could play both teams together and still have enough leverage by just playing it differently. Not playing Castellanos. You still play Suarez, but I mean, it, I could have played Altuve here and then could have played some other third baseman from some other game. But not playing all, all those 30% don't guys together. If we take a look at the ownership, like Stevenson was 35%. Castellanos was 32%. Suarez, 24. And where's the next red? Aquino is 13. Okay. And then India was 12. Then for the Astros, you have Correa, 25. 
Toro at 24, McCormick at 21, Guriel at 17, Michael Brantley 16. So like, like look, in my lineup, I had Tatis instead of Correa, so I'm not playing a 25% on guy. I had Suarez, which is about the same ownership, but instead of Toro. Didn't have McCormick play the other two outfielders, so that's lower. And then played Odorizzi instead of the chalk, you know, uh, Darvish plus uh, like Montes, Darvish Gibson, right? Odorizzi was the highest, was the second highest scoring pitcher on the slate, but also like really cheap. So 32.65. It's not like I had a much of him. I mean, take a look at my pitching ownership. I 10% Odorizzi, right? I I'd mostly, I mostly the chalky combination, right? Look, mostly Darvish with one of these, one of these guys. And I had some J.A. hat to throw it in because I, because I wasn't playing much Reds. As much rent. I was playing 150 lineups. Take a look with, you know, where Odorizzi was. I mean, it was a split. I mean, Larry Oda played a ton of Odorizzi. JBC played a ton of Odorizzi. But some people just like, whatever. I was surprised Montes was kind of as owned. Because that Darvish-Montes combination kind of led you to very similar constructions. So I still had, I still had plenty of it. But I just think there was less lineup diversity playing, you know, two of the highest, most expensive pitchers, say for like Urias. I still played a bunch. But I was still, I was trying to fit in like two cheap pitcher or Darvish plus. No, I didn't mind Savali. I thought Savali, Savali projected better on the bat than both Montes and Urias. So I, I was trying to get more Savali. But there, there's only six games on the slate. There's only so much you can do. I pretty I pretty much went like very heavily on the Brewers. They were the second highest projected stack at like the, the sixth or seventh highest ownership. And I didn't find many other spots appealing from a projection or an ownership standpoint. Houston, Cincinnati, okay, from a high probability, but they're also going to be owned. San Diego was like the fourth highest uh stack and they were going to be like the fifth most owned or sixth most something around there so I'm like okay I'll play more of that I didn't play much Texas I know Texas did well played some didn't play much Oakland I mean sprinkle sprinkle in right Arizona Cleveland I did I, I just like anytime I looked at I was building lineups I would build you know 150 set and just like what why do I have 12% of Dolis Garcia? Like, why, why is there a point to that? Like, why don't I just, just continue to make Brewers lineups instead? And just like, okay, it's a six-game slate. I hope the, the late hammer with the Brewers goes off, and it did. Of course it didn't. So that's why I said it. Did I make a lot of money? No, really, I didn't. I put, I, for, for, the, for the super knuckleball, I did 150 max. I put in 750 bucks. My total was to like two thousand bucks, right? This is seventeen fifty, right? So all the rest of my other entries equaled about two fifty. How much? How much money? Right? Oh, okay. I made I, oh, I made twelve fifty or something, but it's what two and a half x. I mean, like nothing to shoot the right home about. Nothing to, to beat your chest over. I won some steak knives. There you go. That's what I did. Andrew Moss asks, what's the difference in builds between a 14-type game slate versus a five- or six-game slate? 
probably the the amount of correlation that you probably want in your lineups. I mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It, five or six games slate, you could still do it. Like on uh, yesterday's slate, I, half about half of my lineups were five man stacks, and half of my lineups were four man stacks. I played five X and four three one on DraftKings, right? Because obviously on a fan bill, you can't play five man stacks. The more teams there are in the slate, the more likely one of the teams, one of 28 teams, is going to put up enough runs to pay off a five-man stack. Six-game slate, there's only 12 teams. There's less likelihood because there's less teams. That one team puts that pays off a five-man stack. Yeah, Bill Thomas says, uh, Odorizzi was projected 30% done, so I faded him. He ended up coming in at a ten percent. I thought I thought Odorizzi before the the rain the rain delay nonsense the the late start was going to be like about seventeen percent seventeen ish percent owned. I'm not I'm not even I, I, I didn't necessarily even like him at that ownership. I didn't even I didn't like him at that ownership. I thought Gibson would be a little bit more. I thought I thought the difference between Gibson and Odorizzi would be closer. Gibson would be 20 and Odorizzi would be 17 or 18 or something. But obviously that moves when, uh, especially when it comes to the rain, you don't, you know, you don't want to stuck there with a zero pitcher or something. Right. Because what, what, what I, what I did yesterday in my lineups is that I played Astros and Orioles, but I only played them in stacks. So if you do go through my lineups, you will not see one-offs of any of the Astros. So I didn't have Chaz McCormick as a one-off. Like he's either in, he's either in a four or five-man Astro stack or not in the lineup. To me, that that's my way of, you know, hedging against you know a postponement possibility. I still want to play the Astros, but if I play the Astros in fifteen percent of my lineups, fifteen to eighteen percent of my lineups, the other eighty percent or so is, well, I don't know. If I'm, not the Astros. And it turns out the Astros were one of the chalkier teams. So it's like I it's not like I wanted to play a ton of them to begin with. It's a much it's a much different calculation where you're gonna take a shot at a possible postponed team when the team is barely owned. That I almost don't mind. I don't mind having more. And the game gets postponed, and who cares? Because with Houston, I mean, okay. The, Oh, the game doesn't get postponed. You get Houston at slightly lower ownership, and then they still bust, right? And it's still chalky, right? Houston, it didn't you didn't lose much. I think ownership went to the Reds. I don't. I think I don't think anything else much changed. I mean, I saw that ownership when 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 that game locked because it was the first game on the slate. Didn't start playing for an hour. I'm like, okay, I guess no one, I guess not many people got off the, the Astros. That's what that was my consideration of how is this going to affect ownership? But I knew it was going to affect the Reds. So my first thought is I'm going to be light on the Reds. The secondly is then the second thing is how much ownership is coming off Astros where I should be now be playing. Now they're now they're under owned. Even if they're even if they're fairly owned, are they are they under are they under owned? I don't think so. I think they I think they were like efficiently owned. Right? McCormick at 21, 
Altuve at 30, Correa at 25, Toro at 24. Probably, probably slightly, slightly over-owned. But these numbers could have easily been, Altuve could have easily been 18%, Toro 16, McCormick 15, Brantley 10, you know, like kind of Alvarez, you know, 8% or something like that. At that point, it'd be like, okay, I'll take the shot. I'll take the shot at possible zeros. But I'm going to take the shot by not having them as one-offs everywhere also. Especially when they project well. Because if I left them all as one-offs, I, it's possible I could have had like 90% of my lineups having at least one Astro in it. And then, okay, oh, they're calling the game. Oh, well, there, there goes pretty much all my lineups. I mean, you could do it. I mean, it's just, it's how much risk tolerance do you have? Me personally, I set the only in stacks buttons to all the players in the game. Even ball, I play Baltimore, right? Just click that, you click the, you go here, you click only in stacks and all in all these and for the teams and you just go, okay, those are the only lines those, those people are going to be in. If one of these guys hits three home runs and I'm going to need them as a one-off, well, I can't have the nuts this time. I can't have the nuts today. That ain't happening. Yeah, uh, Grimble asks, uh, Yahoo allows six-man stacks. Is that a thing on Yahoo? Sure, why not? If not, what is the recommending stacking MLB GPP on Yahoo? Whatever lineups, whatever, whatever lineups you want. There's no recommend. It depends on the lineup. We always get back to that. Can you, can, on DraftKings, can you play 3-3-1-1? Three, three, one, one? Yes, of course you can. You can have great lineups that look like that. You can have great lineups that look uh, four one 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 one. You you could do that. You can. Is there a on, on FanDuel? Is there a four one 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 lineup that projects better than a four four lineup and also has lower ownership? Well, then you should be playing that lineup in comparison to that four four lineup. But there may also be 120 other 4-4 lineups that are better than that 4-1-1-1. So you probably should be better playing some of those other 4-4 lines. They're all independent of one another. Now, for the ease of building, a lot of times you're like you favor a, a, a construction just so you could so you could build stuff. Like it's like, oh, there are more 4-4 lineups, there are more 4-3-1 lineups. I'm gonna build a lot more of those than try to pick and choose. But you can run them. Like for instance, like this, what I'm saying right now is is one is one of the most important concepts in all of DFS. The most important concept. Remember, remember the key to asking questions in DFS. You know you're asking a stupid question if 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 it if it can be answered in one of two ways. Okay, I'm trying I'm trying to teach you. Grimble, I think he's new. If you could answer the question, when you ask a DFS question, if you could be answered with a yes or a no, it is a stupid question. Can it be answered with a yes or a no? Can it be answered with an exact number? If it could be answered with an exact number, it is a stupid question. Because there's no such things as yeses and nos, and there's no such things as as exact numbers in, in DFS. It, it all depends on the contest and the lineup, and it, it all depends on everything, just like in poker. 
Do you fold Ace Queen? Like what, what kind of what kind of answer? What kind of question is that? With no context of anything. Well, someone open shows me seven three and shoves all in, and at the end with the seven high, yeah, I'm gonna call with Ace Queen. Yeah, yeah. So like in and of itself, it means nothing. But if we go to if we go to FanDuel today, we go to the main slate. It's like, okay, well, what's the recommending stacking for FanDuel? A lot of times I'm building four three ones. That's a very big generality. There are probably tons of lineups that are not four three ones that I'm missing if I if I just build four three ones. So let's say I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna put in three three. I'm gonna put in all of these. Maybe not three X, whatever. So one, two, three, four, five. Let's just put in all of these. 20, 20. Let me put more unique players at one. So you can go, oh, what's the recommending stack on Yahoo? What's the record? Like, well, there's no recommending nothing. So I'm putting 20, 20, 20, 20, right? So you get 100. Right? Build rules. Let's, let's put it, let's put it 100 just to. I guess to be safe. 33, let's do 3,300, 33,000. I don't care about running exposures. It doesn't really matter. One unique, I, I guess that. I guess that's fine. Okay, but we're trying to get different combinations over here. So four, 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 three, four, two. Maybe don't even, don't even use four X. Four X may still give you this, some of these other ones. Here's a three, two. Let's, let's do that. Okay. I'm going to run 100. You're going to see that there's going to be lineups like from this time. It's not going to be all four fours and then four threes. Like what, what is the projection and what is the ownership of these lineups? Maybe there's a three, two that is actually a better lineup than a four, four, a certain three, two, not three, two lineups in general, just a certain one versus certain four, fours versus certain four, uh, four threes. That's what I mean by lineups are independent. They're, oh, should I be stacking five man on DraftKings? Like, in general, because people don't stack enough, yeah. If you would, out of 14 games late, if you would have just built five, three lineups, like, you're most likely going to make pretty good lineups. No matter what teams you stack and whatever you do. You're, you're pro, you're pro, if you set that as a default, you're probably going to make better lineups on average than trying to make all different types of constructions. Does that mean that there aren't three three lineups on DraftKings that are better than some of your five three lineups? Yeah, of course there are. Do you want to spend the time finding them and then playing them? Maybe you don't. There's thousands upon tens of thousands of lineups that you could play that are perfectly fine. So we take a look here. One, two, I mean, what the hell type of lineup is this? Here's, here's the highest projected lineup based on, you know, just stacking something. 140.77 with a 181 ownership as of now, right? And it's a what? Three Astros, two Cardinals, two Seattle, and one, one Yankee. That's not 4-4, four, four, right? But it projects 140.77, okay? We go to the stack summary. The combo, no, we can't click on the combo summary. So here, here's a three-hitter stack at Houston, right? This is a three-hitter stack at Houston. Right, so 140 at 181. We get some of these. So a lot of these are like 160s. These are 149, right? 149, 
somewhere in this range, 148, right? But this is like nothing. I mean, it's a three, it's a three, three, two, it's nothing. But still has some correlation in it. And then we go to four-man stacks. Let's go to the four-man Cardinal stacks. Here, 139.94. You're giving up barely a point, like less than a point. Three-man, four-man Cardinals, two Astros, right? Let's go down to some of some of these. Let's see, 173, 169. Yeah, they're about the same range. 162, he's a 162. 150. This is this is a bad lineup, right? 139 at 150. 138. Okay, you're giving up an extra point, but you're getting a little bit less ownership. Here's a 431. Cardinals, Astros, A's. That's probably better than some of those other three two lineups. So you see here, like the difference isn't like you're you're just comparing the difference in projection and ownership. Correlation increases your variance. It doesn't necessarily increase your projection from a median standpoint. It increases your chances of hitting at ceiling because they're they're all cor- they're, they're correlated with one another. But like here, the top lineup out of the hundred is one forty point seven seven, the lowest lineup of the top hundred at one twenty two. Yeah, you would you probably wouldn't. Well, you could play this because this is now down at ninety six, right? So you're sacrificing eighteen almost eighteen points in projection, but you're getting like half the ownership. Is it worth it? I don't know. And this is a 4-4 Astros-White Sox lineup. Right, here's a 4-4 Mariners-Cardinals lineup. Here's 74. Okay, you're getting even less Cubs-Tigers 4-4. Right, these 4-4s are going to project lower than your, you know, 3-2-whatever lineups, but they're also more likely to be less owned in, in combination. Right, 74, 99, 83. So you're getting the requisite ownership drop. Now, if these lineups were 140 ownership and the, the main and you're sacrificing 14 points in projection for like 30% of ownership, yeah, they probably wouldn't be worth playing. So here's 142, right? Like right this one. Like in comparison to these other lineups, like why would you pl- why would you be playing a four man, a Giolito plus four Cardinals and four Yankees, a four four card? So it may turn out, it may turn out that four like four four of two other teams may be fine, but you but these Cardinals Yankees four fours are not in, the Yankee the Cardinals in and of themselves may project well to some extent, and the Yankees may project well to some extent, but making a 4-4 lineup of those two actually is a little too over-owned, a little too high-owned for, for their drop in projection. So you don't play 4-4s? No. You, well, maybe you don't play 4-4s the Cardinals and the Yankees based on this. Right? Doesn't mean you don't play 4-4s. It means, well, not maybe not in this. Well, do you not play the four of the Cardinals? And the, Well, it depends on the lineup. We saw before that four, that four, three, whatever lineup with the Cardinals projected really well and actually had a little bit more dip in ownership. So maybe the Cardinals actually make more plus EV lineups with four X type of combinations, but not with four fours. And the Yankees are more, because they're going to be higher owned, are more conducive to two-man stacks than four-man stacks. 
because there's more lineups that have higher projection and lower ownership that are not stacks of the Yankees, that are only ones and twos. But you're doing this based on the total lineup. Lineups, not players. So just running, I mean, just literally doing what I do. As long as you trust the numbers, all right? I mean, maybe not at 11.30 in the morning, right? We don't have starting lineups. We don't have nothing. We don't have umpires or whatever, whatever else would be in here. Proper ownership, right? Because people start, start whatever, the ownership will change. You could just run it. Oh, this is even with the, this is with the plate IQ projections even. I didn't even switch it to the bat. So this is even using the plate IQ projections. If we switch it to bat, the bat, it's going to probably look completely different. That's it. That's how you look at lineups. I'm not playing players. I'm picking lineups. Well, what do I play in single entry? We'll pick a lineup. What do you start with? I don't start with anything. I look at lineups and I pick one. Uh, Let's see. DFS Voodoo says, I was playing DFS all wrong until I listened to the theory of daily fantasy sports. Yeah, feel free. Go to the theoryofdfs.com. Get the 15-hour DFS masterclass. All these concepts are in there, right? You can play to any sport. It's one big math problem. GR Sauce 12 says, I will admit it, the weather scared me off of Houston. I was fading anyway and didn't have the guts to change my thinking. Well, if you were fading anyway, then what did it matter? We were gonna fade like that doesn't make any sense. I would have I would have heard there would be no weather because I would have had less of them. It wouldn't have worked out, but I mean, so that doesn't make any sense. It's like no, that if it scared you off, that means you were fading you were fading them anyway. I, don't, I have no idea. Let's see. People are talking to themselves in the chat. That's fine. Let's go on today's slate. Got a lot of pitching, right? Let's look at let's look at FanDuel. Played FanDuel today. Played DraftKings yesterday. We're we gonna we're probably not gonna get condensed. The thing I'm thinking about today is that we're not gonna get that condensed ownership on starting pitcher, but we may actually get more condensed. Like people aren't gonna attack a lot of these pitchers. I mean, look look at the pictures on the slate that we have. If we, if we sort by if we sort by fantasy points, just whatever median. Cole, Giolito, Wheeler, Scherzer, Kershaw, Snell. I mean, uh, Alcantara, Morton, Heaney, Snell, Erod, Stroman, Hendricks, Peralta, Granke, Gallon. I guess maybe even right. Gallon, Gallon's decent enough, right? Like it doesn't doesn't mean you're gonna play. It's like oh, I'm not gonna. I mean, you may not play Charlie Morton, but maybe you don't play the Mets against him, right? That that's why I think some of this offensive ownership is gonna end up being a little bit more condensed. Like someone's like then it's like oh, I'm not gonna play Zach Wheeler at eleven four, but I'm also not gonna play the Nationals, right? So we're gonna get both sides of a game being like way way low owned. I mean, that's what I'm expecting. I mean, if we take a look at the let's see, let's take a look at the stack projections. 
my points. Got the Cubs at number one against Eli Morton. Astros, okay, that makes sense. Cardinals against Scooble. The Brewers still project well against Gallon. Don't tell me I'm going to have to do this again. Another Brewers day against Zach Allen. The Mariners, Mariners are actually up there against Kyle Freeland. The Rockies against Flexen, and then we start getting like in the middle. Who, do, who doesn't project well? That would be surprising. Like the Blue Jays against Alcantara. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, look at the Yankees. They're way down there. Are they going to be owned? And I'm looking at FanDuel, so I just normally I go to the stacks. Do we have the stacks report up? Is that is that up? Let's see. Let's see if it up. Let's see if it's up. Just to get just to give the overall like no, it's that the ownership like the stack leverage page or whatever that's not up yet. If we go like individual so ownership wise, so look, we're getting Houston. Yankees, yeah, no, the Yankees are going to be owned. Torres, Judge, as of now, even Seattle. Seattle, Seattle, St. Louis, Yankees, Houston. Right, so so based on based on this, as of right now, I mean, the Yankees come up at like toward the bottom of third. Yet are going to be, what, the third most owned? That looks like a that looks like a fade. That looks like I, I'll have lower 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 low amount of them. Seattle, see Seattle at least is up there. The Cardinals are up there. The Astros are up there. The Cubs the Cubs are number one. And are they are they even owned? Is it a win game? What's going on? Maybe that. Well, now their totals coming up to like five. This is FanDuel. Look at this ownership. This, this is probably going to change. Wilson Contreras is 2,500 on FanDuel. He's not going to be 4% owned. No, this, this, ain't, this ain't happening. I'm telling you, this ain't happening. The Cubs have a five implied run total, and, could, and Wilson Contreras is 2,500 batting fifth. I can tell you, I can tell you for sure, he's not going to be 4% owned. What are they going to do with Bias today? Did you see that yesterday? He, 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 just, he just forgot to run the bases. Or he ran the bases and forgot that it's a flyout. He got benched in the middle of the game. But yeah, yeah, they're a little bit expensive, right? Peterson's up there for FanDuel. Bryant, Baez, Rizzo. More people will play the Astros. But from a raw point perspective, raw point and ceiling perspective, they're they're number one right now. I don't know, who knows? Baez is not in the lineup. That's going to drop everything. But that's what I'm looking for. I mean, that's I mean, this is this is what you're looking for. Teams that are higher projected for lower ownership. I mean, that's that's essentially what it, what you're doing in DFS for any sport. So am I picking players? No, I'm not even picking, I'm not picking teams. Then how do those teams fit together? And then who do I play on those teams? Well, if you build stacks with the Cubs, looking at the point per dollar value, you're gonna get more with the Contreras and Rizzo and Peterson than you will with like Chris Bryant. I mean, they'll still be there, right? Filling a third base spot or a shortstop spot for bias. But you're going to get like, if, if you were to build 20 
Cub stacks, you're probably going to get 20 of 20 with Wilson Contreras when he projects this well for only 2,500. So 20 of 20 is going to end, end up, unless you tell it otherwise, you get 20 of 20 with Contreras. You're probably going to get like 18 with Rizzo and 18 with Peterson and like probably going to get half and 14 you know, as a four-man. Bryant at 12 and Baez at 12 and Hayward in eight and Sergio Alcantara in six, you know, like something like that. Just based on, based on their projection. Right. I mean, we could, I, I could, I could show you that concept and that's using a tool. Like if you were to just build four, four stacks, for instance, we don't care about the other teams. I just care about the Cubs. Where are the Cubs? Care about the Cubs? Would have just built 20. Why not? Because it's going to try to make the best, the best 20 that it can. And because it's, it's going to try to jam in as many median fantasy points as possible in making four-man Cub stacks with some, some other team. So I'm going to guess we're getting 20 or 20 of Wilson Contreras. Right here, a 19. Oh, okay. Ooh, it's one lineup without Contreras. And probably whoever, some catcher from whatever, a first baseman for the other. Right. Well, because he didn't even get to play the utility. So if we take a look at just the Cubs, Contreras in 19, Peterson in 18, Baez in 15, Half in 12, Rizzo in 9, Alcantara in 3, Bryant in 3, Hayward in 1. Okay. Based on their point per dollar value, that, that makes and their positions. That makes sense. Obviously, you get them paired with the Astros, mostly. So you could predict. So when you're building lineups using a tool like this, like Line of HQ or any other type of optimizer, you could predict what these things are going to look like. And if you look down, you're like, okay, I want to play. I want to play twenty Cubs four mans, but do I want Wilson Contreras in, in nearly all of them? If the answer is yes. Then fine, leave it. Right, but let's say I say, like, I want more diversity in my Cub stacks. I want more Chris Bryant, right? You could do that. You could just pump him up. But what you could also do is just cap people. So it's like, yes, I want 20 Cub stacks, but I don't want anyone from more than 70%, right? So you put, so just, you put 70 on everyone. But pretty much you're going to put them on the guys that are more likely to be over. You look here, who is over or close to 70? We'll cap them at 70. So now 25% of this ownership, this exposure, 20% of this exposure, 5% of this, is now going to start going to these other players. Because it's going to still try to make, it wants to make you four, four cup stacks. That's what you put in. But now you're going to get Brian probably in, a couple of more lineups instead of Contreras or Peterson or Bias. This is how people go wrong where they want exposure to teams. And then they end up, you know, oh, I, st- I played I played half of my lineups for Blue Jays and I got zero Vlad Guerrero. So yeah, because he probably was this lowest point per dollar player. Highest raw, highest raw projection. But he was like 4,800 and they just, uh, all, all the other Blue Jays stacks actually had higher medians. So here. So I capped it at 70. 
right? So now these get stopped at 70. I start getting more Bryant, more Hayward, more Hap, more Rizzo, right? So it's a little bit more even. If you want, if you wanted it this way, maybe you don't want any, maybe you're like, okay, I don't mind 70, but I don't want Sergio Alcantara in more than like two lineups. Like you could do that. There's two lineups, 10%. What's 10% of 20, two. I don't want Hayward in more than two lineups. I mean, whatever you want to do. Right? So it's like, oh, I don't want Hayward or Alcantara in more than two lineups each. Right? So I'm building again. This will this will move up. This, this, all the lineups that have these guys in, there'll be more Bryant, Hap, Rizzo. We get one more Contreras. It's going to try to fill this up. If you don't want them at all, just X them out. I don't want to play the, the bottom two hitters or whatever. Okay. Don't just leave it. Just don't leave it to a tool that all it knows is to jam immediate fantasy points and think that it has a brain. It doesn't. It doesn't know what it's doing. All it knows, it's, it's all sole goals to give you as many median fantasy points as possible. And the GPP, like that's, that's not the be all end all. Then you just play your cash lineup and try to beat 70,000 people. That ain't going to work. Ninja the guard, the god. Scherzer can't be going his normal pitch count, right? I don't, I don't know. What does the bat currently have him at? Let's take a look. Let's see. Let's go to the projections. Let's look at the pitch projected pitch counts. Because Cardi has that in the bat. We'll sort by that. He has, oh no, he has some lower. 91? So right now in the bat projections, Scherzer is being projected for 91 pitches. A max of 116, because obviously it's Max Scherzer. But 91. He has Giolito with 104. Cole and Wiggler with 100. Tyler Anderson with 102. But yeah, you could, you could if, you, if you have the bat, and this will change, I mean, depending on stuff, you know, what the umpires are, the catchers. You know, splits, I mean everything. You know, all the all the pitching stats, all the hitting stats. But a lot of, but I but this is where you go, where it's like, oh, what what's the pitch count gonna be? I mean, this is like a median number. And this is what Card Cardi's doing that work for you. So I'll let him do it. He knows more than I do. So if he says the median amount of pitches on Blake Snell is ninety one, I'm like, okay. But that's what's factored into the projections. So a lot of times I will look at a projection of a pitcher and go, wow, that's high, or wow, that's low. And the first thing that I do is I come to the pitch count. Did I miss something? Or do I not agree with it? Perfectly fine to not agree with things. You take a look and you go, no, I think Scherzer's going to pitch 102 pitches. Well, then obviously his projection is going to come up. All right, we take a look at FanDuel, for instance. We go to pitcher, not Chicago pitchers, but pitchers, pitchers. Like Scherzer projects for 37 median. You know, he projects, you know, he doesn't even project that bad, right? Comparison to the, some other pitchers at 91 pitches. You say that he's going to pitch 102, an extra 11 pitches. I mean, Max Scherzer would probably be, Max Scherzer would probably be the best player on the slate, right? 
I mean, he would probably add an extra three points to his to his projection. Right? Another nine pitches. That, yeah, another, 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 about another three points. So he'd project it like 41-ish for 10-8. So he'd be, he'd be higher up there. Maybe you think, oh, he's only going to pitch 80 pitches. Well, then obviously you're going to have to bump him down. He's going to be... He's going to be more like a 33 at 33, which is not going to be anywhere close, right? So if you think different, feel free to put in a different number. I like Cardi do the work. He's he's more often going to be right compared to me. Will he be right on certain things? And I'll be right on certain things on certain, certain days? Sure. That's the only time I'll change anything. I remember one slate, like maybe a month ago, he had like Strom been pitching like 108 pitches. Like, and he projected way, he reflected way too good. It's like, okay, I, I get it. Strom can, can pitch late long and it's a good matchup. But putting his median at like 108 pitches seems like a little excessive to me. So you know what I did? I bumped his projection down. Because if I didn't, I would have gotten him in like, yeah, all, like all of my lineups. I'm like, I just don't, I, 108 as the median? Yeah, yeah, it's possible, sure, of course. How, it's not 50% likely. Maybe it's 35% likely. Okay, so you bump him down to 98 pitches. You bump him down three points, and then, then you build your lineups. You could do, you, that's, do it. You don't, have to, you don't have to agree with this. I don't agree with ownership half the time. I change that, Right? If I don't agree with ownership on certain people, I change them. It, it affects my calculations. I don't just leave them in. If I look at this ownership right now, if this is the way it was at 6.30 at night or whatever, and I go, now Cole's, it, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something like this. Maybe maybe I think it's this. Maybe, it, you know, like, maybe I think Heaney is three and Morton ends up getting 10. You know I mean, I change it. Because I'm going to need to know these sums and the, the whatever to, to put everything together on what the lineups to play. Right? Oh, they say Scherzer's not going to be in a pitch count. Okay, maybe he's 21 instead. Right? If I don't agree with the ownership. Exactly. From my experience playing. Maybe some of these pitches, I mean, do I care the difference of one or two uh, quarter versus 0.5? No, I don't. At that point, I don't care. Right. I look at the hitters, right? I go, is Altuve going to be 26? Is Alvarez going to be 25? Like, that's what matters. Is Glaber Torres going to be 19, but at the bottom? Right. Like the difference between, uh, you know, is Tommy Pham going to be one or is he going to be one and a half? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time with that. But if there's a guy that, if there's, if there's a hitter that's being projected at 3% down when he's really most probably going to be 12% down, you better damn right I'm going to be changing that. Feel you know, 3% seems way too low for that. I mean, look, look at what I said about the Cubs here on FanDuel. Or the Cubs. Like, Wills Contreras ain't going to be 4% down. I mean, I can, just, I can tell you that already. Maybe maybe 12, but not definitely not four. Uber checks is one of the top point per dollar. Pl- I mean, I, I believe on the entire, maybe one of the, on the entire slate. Yes, on the entire, literally on the entire slate on FanDuel. Currently in the back. 
Like Toro, twenty one hundred. I mean, if he's gonna Toro is gonna be owned at twelve percent at third base, probably more than stacks. There's, there's no way Wilson Contreras is four percent owned, and Dylan Moore is seventeen percent owned. Like no, that that that'll be much closer. <laughs> See, you got to change it. But most likely, most most likely, Jamino's hamsters. They do the work, they do the late work, and the, the ownership will come up like Contreras. Okay. Hit the thumbs up on your way out the door, right? Got my apple juice here. I got to take some, probably take some cold medicine. I'm looking sneezing all over the place. Schnotzen. I'm schnotzen. We got grinders, grinders live. Coming up later today, and if you if you go go in the place where you get your podcast, download and, and subscribe to the Morning Grind, thousand episodes, right? Stevie, Grant, Will, they recorded the thousandth Morning Grind. Congratulations to Stevie, and he was at, he was asking uh, on Twitter, Stevie, uh, what's your favorite Morning Grind episode? And there's only there's only one answer. We all know, all our old old school people, we all know there's one answer to that question. There's, there's one specific, I don't know what number it is. I don't, I forgot what date it was. The best, the best episode of uh, the Morning Grind was Drunk Siege. Easily, right? There's no question about it. There's no, that's, that is, that is the, the showcase episode of the Morning Grind. So maybe they'll talk about it. I didn't listen to it in, uh, yet. I mean, I just woke up a half an hour ago, whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming they talk about it. I assume that, that's the classic. That's the classic best episode of the morning grind. So subscribe to that on Apple, iTunes, podcasts, wherever you get them. This is also a podcast. You can always subscribe. DFS pregame show, Roto Grinders. Rate and review it if you can. Uh, hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Subscribe button if you're new here. Notification bell to know when we go live. We got Grinders Live later today. Crunch time. I'll, I'll be on I'll be on crunch time for premium members. I'm filling in for Tuttle. So uh, if you're a premium member, which you can get, you can get, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. And I'll be on crunch time tonight. I'll be on morning grind tomorrow, right? I'm not on the thousandth episode. They won't put me on the thousandth episode. A thousand one, a thousand and one. That, I, I'm good enough for that. Okay, so. So I'll be on that tomorrow. I got a busy day today. 14 games late. Got soccer at three o'clock. That's coming up, right? Got crunch time. I got to make my lineups before crunch time, right? Hopefully we get the, is there, is there angel or the angels on the slate? Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely not going to be playing angel stacks, right? Their lineup's not, man's lineup's not going to be in by then, right? Okay. So I'll see you guys later. Reviewing, reviewing slates. Going over DFS strategy, as we always do here, Mondays through Fridays, 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs> <laughs>